Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. All right. Welcome to Magic Without Fears, the Hermetic Podcast. Larry Roberts. Well, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Um, you as well. Yeah. Yeah. A little, little technical fun before all this. Oh, that, it wouldn't be any fun if we didn't have a little, you know, it wasn't hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leading to uh, us discovering, having to call and discovering we both have, you have a 666 in the middle of your number. I have 888, which we think is funny, you know. Right. And, and neither one of them were asked for. We just got them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so serendipity. Yeah. Um, For the sake of, uh, you know, uh, people right away, why don't you, uh, why don't we begin with you saying, something about yourself and, and what you do and how you are quite well known uh, in the magical world um, so that people, huh. can, uh, okay. you know, if they want, uh, maybe scope mm-hmm. out your website now that you're uh, well, well, Absolutely. Uh, while they listen. Well, I don't know how far do you want me to go back. A, a little bit of background is, is that what you're looking for? Oh, why don't we start with the, 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 the sale? Okay. Yeah, we are having a sale right now. Uh, it will go through Tuesday. I don't know if you'll have this up by that time, but it it is 15% off everything in the store. And the coupon code is SUMMER15, all in lower caps. SUMMER15. All lower caps. That's All a- lower caps. Now, if you're using uh, crypto on that, you automatically get an extra 10% off for using crypto. Yes. So you can get bonus so 10% you can off. Get, yeah, you can get 25% off now until... The 10% off on crypto is always going on because I like using the crypto. Anything we can do to get out of fiat currency, I'm all about. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, uh, I hear you. I think that's really, uh, really cool that you do that. And the fact mm-hmm. that that right now is a great time for anyone who's got crypto to uh, spend it all on you. Absolutely. You know, okay. I, uh, I try to, I try to save as much of mine as I can, you know, but, um, I do use it to purchase stuff on occasion as well. I think it's just good going peer to peer and getting rid of banks personally. If if we could, I think it would be better for society. All right. So for our uh, uninitiated listeners, what is your business mm-hmm. called and where can they find this wonderful sale? Yes, it's Miskatonic Books and it's uh, com. And let me go. Do you Are you going to put a link into the note oh, descriptions? Yeah. or? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. And, uh, it's a site that we have had up for since, um, 2012. Um, now I did, like I said, I didn't know how far you wanted me to kind of go back into my background, but I've been selling books for over 30 years, uh, in various forms. I started out as a book scout where I was going out and scouting books for actual bookstores. That's back when they actually had independent bookstores. And so these independent booksellers really couldn't go out and uh, look for books themselves because they were, you know, minding their stores. So what I would do is go around to the general areas. I knew what they were looking for, and then I would find them at, um, you know, prices that were very good and then turn around and sell them to them, and then they would sell them at retail. So it was like a treasure hunt all the time. That's cool. Very, very uh, yeah. ninth date gate Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I started doing that and I was at the same time collecting small press limited edition horror titles at that time. I was in my twenties Okay, and this is back in the eighties. So 
I'm getting these and they're getting kind of, they're getting pretty expensive. My wife, you know, I have, we're just, we're recently married at the time and getting ready to have our first child. And she's basically going, you can't keep buying these expensive limited editions. Okay. You got to knock it off. <laughs> so me, um, I called the publisher and asked him how much, how many of these do I need to buy to get a dealer discount? And so instead of buying one, I buy, I buy five to get uh, my, my dealer discount, my wholesale discount. And I put them in backpacks and take them to work with me and uh, sell them to people at work, employees at work, just kind of start selling them, you know, just tell them how great of books they are. And they start collecting them themselves. So I start selling to the people that to get my book for free, I had to sell four. So I was able to continue collecting at that particular point in time. Yeah, it's a brilliant way to do it. <laughs> and so at that time, um, it was a slower process book selling. And back at that time, you had to do catalogs, right? You would you would do catalogs, and then you would advertise them in a, in magazines. People would look at a magazine that was a book related magazine. They'd say, "Hey, here's a bookseller that does catalogs," and you would mail catalogs. People would call you on the phone and say, "Yeah, I want you to reserve that book for me. I'm sending a check." So it was just a slow process, yeah. right? Well, I didn't have any books to sell to people. So what I did was, is I contacted a bunch of you know a bunch of booksellers all over the United States. And I said, how much will you um, pay me if I sell your books for you? If I sell your books, how much will you, you know, give me? And they said 20%. So if I got at least 20%, I started putting all of their books in my catalog. So it looked like I was enormous. And what I would do is it was such a slow process that they would call, reserve it. I would call him, you know, or her, whoever the bookseller was, reserve it. They would ship it to me. They would be sending me a check. The check still had to clear. Plenty of time for that transaction to happen. Nowadays, you can't do that because people want their books shipped in 24 hours. They want to, you know, so those days are done. But it really allowed me to, with little money and just a lot of ingenuity, to build a bookstore that particular time. Very cool. Um, what was it called back then? Uh, well, it was Larry Roberts Bookseller at that particular okay, yeah, time. Yeah. It was just, I just used my name. Proper but then book. I wanted to, I, I love these small press limited edition titles so much that and I was collecting them that I wanted to publish them myself, you know? So I'm going, okay, that's what I'm going to do next. I'm going to, I'm going to publish some of these myself. So I contacted some of the publishers and they were really good about it. And I'm, I'm always good about that too. If somebody's looking to become a publisher or something, I'm going to tell you, okay, here's what you need to do. You know, here's, here's the people you need to talk to. Here's what you need to be prepared for. This is, you know, and they really did. They kind of held my hand, walked me through it. And, um, I don't know, for a decade or so, I published about 150 uh, hardcover limited edition four titles that were signed and numbered, kind of like the occult titles that are out to, well, exactly like the occult titles out today, but they're just, they were just horror titles. Mm. So I did uh, that. And then in 2008, we won a Bram Stoker Award for Excellence in Publishing. Great. So that kind of, so that kind of really kind of set us to the point where, okay, I'm working as an operations manager in a, um, winery at the time and i'm going okay we can start doing this full time now it, we got enough recognition where it allowed us to do that wow and then you know right after you know 2008 right after we got that and started things started going pretty well 2009 you know the whole crash happened and oh. i just had to at that particular time i had always had an interest in the occult but i just didn't know there was really a market for those kind of books i really didn't i mean i was more on the fiction side of the world as opposed to the nonfiction side of the book selling world. And so I started looking into the, you know, some of these titles, I'm going like, these are amazing. These are amazing titles. So I kind of switched my 
uh, Miskatonic books from being like a weird tales kind of horror H.P. Lovecraft into carrying more and more of these occult titles until eventually it just took over the whole store. And now we've been doing it for about, you know, a decade, just mostly occult titles now. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it wasn't, do you think, do you think the market uh, is, is a, was there prior to when you started or did you get in at the right time really? Well, I think that it was, I think probably a good, as I started looking back into some of the history and some of the books, you know, with zone in and some of the stuff that they were putting out uh, before I was carrying their titles, you know, um, a lot of the, I think they were doing, I think they were doing quite well even before I got into it. And I just brought into it, you know, kind of my love for the occult. And at the same time, my knowledge of book selling, it really just kind of meshed pretty well. There's the horn there. Do you want to just maybe talk another minute while the car alarm's going off? <laughs> man? Hey, you uh, know, <laughs> they um, could, they could and, tell and this is the real maybe, deal. Yeah. Maybe say a word about Azoth, which is sort of, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I'd already done quite a bit of publishing. So Azoth Press was an easy transition for me. Um, I was, in, I'm involved in a uh, temple that is basically uh, uh, the Golden Dawn tradition. And I was able to get one of the very high adepts to go into the um, uh, the publishing with me. So when it come to some of the Greek and the Hebrew and the stuff like that, that I had a rudimentary knowledge of, well, they had an expertise knowledge of. And so when it come to editing these, I know what I like to read and I know when something's good, but if... Um, the geomancy's wrong or something like that, they would be far better at going like, here's where that's wrong, or here's where that sigil is incorrect, or here where that, you know, this this Hebrew is incorrect. Or so, you know, the um the copy editing of that stuff, um, of those works are really difficult. So you really have to ensure that you're involved with a really good somebody who's, you know, an expert in the field. And I would not call myself an expert, even though I've been in the occult for quite some time. Um I'm not at that level by any stretch. It takes a while. I, I, I focused on Hebrew and Aramaic when I did my mm -hmm. Masters of Divinity. And mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah, it's not, they're not hard languages, but to, mm -hmm. to, know, to really get good at anything is going to be right. challenging. And, you know, even, you know, but, that, but any amount of knowledge is going to help. A little dabble. Oh, yeah. And it does. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, I find, you know, the Golden Dawn tradition to be just fascinating. Um, yeah the you know the ceremonial magic part of it the and it's really an offshoot to me of freemasonry i don't know if i've told you that but i'm a 33rd degree mason too all right so it was really just an offshoot for me an extension of masonry already and i've been in masonry for many years um and then it was 2018 that i went to washington dc and received uh, the 33rd in washington dc in the house of the temple oh congrats yeah one yeah. of my uh students just went through the scottish right and uh but i've only done first degree uh and that was so uh, is that is that in the blue lodge where you're doing yeah yeah, yeah. i had a bad experience yeah, see, and walked away 20 years yeah ago. it's um uh, masonry is one of those kind of things particularly in the blue lodge where each blue lodge is so different it really is it's vastly different you can uh -huh. go in there the first blue lodge that i was involved with in california i mean all it was was a bunch of old men who wanted to take my money playing you know knuckle so they just wanted to play cards and take the young guy's money well 
So when you find the right lodge, you know, it's vastly different. And then, so you have to go through all three of those degrees that you went through before you can even get into the Scottish Rite. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I may finish Blue Lodge. I've got a meeting actually with a a friend of a friend and uh, they might have a lodge that is more, uh, uh, is, you know, more fitting. Though I, it wasn't a problem with the lodge I had per se. It was Mm -hmm. the fact they lied to me about taking a vow on a British flag. And they said I wouldn't have to, and then I did have to, and I was like, nope, mm. not for me. Um, yeah. And uh, plus, I just I just closed down uh, Temple mm-hmm. Tehuti in Vancouver, as it you know I had been its imperator for a while. We decided to move locations. Then you know the whole schism with uh, zinc happened, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so I was done. And then I thought, well, masonry might be a good landing spot for me for a while. So, but I went from that into an immediate deception. So it was like, oh God, yeah, oh God, yeah, I think I'm gonna yeah. take a break here. And so I went over mm-hmm. to Europe to continue doctoral studies with Nicholas Goodrick Clark, and uh, then I joined a Celtic band. That's my story. Nice, yeah. Nice. So, um, so mm, it's uh, is it Cicero's order you're you're with? You know, we're not supposed to say. Yeah, it's all right. There's yeah, lots of it's, out there. Uh, yeah, I, I will not confirm nor deny. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's all good. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not the first time that that happens all the time on this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I cannot confirm. Nor orders, deny. orders. I find tend to have mm-hmm. kinds of special spokespeople. Often, people who are mm-hmm. sort of, their job is to kind sure. of do that. Um, we had we we had that leniency with all of the chief adepts back in in our days mm-hmm. because there had to be sort of someone. I've talked to some other Golden Dawn orders. Um, and I'm like, well, if you if you're running things this way, you probably mm-hmm. don't have that many members. So like, well, we have to make exceptions, otherwise, literally, we would have zero more members. So, um, right, it's, it's an and this is an invitation only group. This is not a you know something where you can go find it and sign up. That it's not that kind of it's not that kind of organization. If that you you kind of find it or they find you, um, temple. Yeah. So yeah, but we can. And it's very difficult. It was like uh, some of the most difficult um path working that i've done mm. it's it's very very strict very hard we were doing um um natal charts you know part of your test is a natal chart like john d did you don't get to like go on the computer and you know what i mean that kind of it's it was tough you know you had to have quite a bit of math hebrew the greek the you know all of that was uh it was it was it was tough I have to say that all of them were not, uh, all the tests that I took were not easy. Yeah, they're not supposed to be. And that's the thing that seems to have changed since, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. the days when I tested on all this stuff. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, I mean, my whole seven years uh, going through the Golden Dawn system was, was very, very, very challenging. I mean, very few people get get all the way through it. Um, And, I'm, I sometimes do you, do you, I sometimes worry that 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 the idea of that of labor has been lost within the occult mm-hmm. right I hear I hear a lot I get a lot of comments that people don't want analyses of historical material or or new translations of text we've <clears> never <throat> had in English what I and this is very strange to hear this mm-hmm. but what they want is the secrets you know given by spirits to to you and that you publish them so they can just get this direct secret shared with you right. but in my experience with spirit work what's mm-hmm. one for good for one is not necessarily good for another no um, it's not all... a it's not a textbook where you're like rebuilding a carburetor 
So do you, you know think what I mean? Where you're from... gonna... Sorry, go ahead. No, I just think I just think I'm with you exactly on this. I don't think you can sit here and take word for word what was written in a specific grimoire and go like, if it worked for them, it's going to work for me. It's like, okay, well, where do I get my tiger skin belt then? Is this going to work without a tiger skin belt? I mean, am I going to be able to be invisible without a tiger skin? You know, that kind of stuff. You know, just to me, I, I'm with you. Like sigils, I don't use any sigils I see in a book. I scry my own sigils. Yeah. Um, I just think that it has to be personal to you. Magic is a personal, to me, a very personal endeavor. Now, I think it has some meaning in ritual. Um and I think labor is a big part of that. There's a, a line that I had in uh, the 32nd degree in Scottish Rite where it's, I'm trying to remember it exactly. Uh, he who works faithfully to attain a purpose by the work itself is praying to God. So when you're working, you're praying. You're in worship, even as you're laboring for something that is good. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with magic. When you're working towards that purpose, and it is an you know an altruistic good purpose, I think that you're going to have a lot more success in that. Yeah, I think a lot about the aura et labora mentality. I mean, mm -hmm. and and the prayer definitely I think counts as work, but the there's there's work that is aside from prayer. There's work that just you know. Yeah, just like that that line says. I mean, when you're, it is a it is a type of prayer. Labor is a type of prayer. Yeah. Is basically what it's getting to. You know, it's like if you're laboring towards a it, that good cause, that's an act of prayer. Sort of like when a student asks, when when the when does the uh, the ritual or the invocation start? And you're like, well, it's already started once you exactly it's already started. Yeah, we're we're, we're it starts with intent. Intention. We're working yeah. on the sigils. Or maybe mm -hmm. doing some colors and mm -hmm. writing down the prayers from scratch by our hands and stuff. Right. And I just one of the it's uh, one of the most common things I hear from people is that there's no point in, in learning or memorizing anything that is written in a book. And I I just don't right. know what to do with that as a teacher actually at this stage. But yeah. so so I'm, I've had a hard time teaching people with that mentality. But it's something I uh, I appreciate a chance to talk to other especially you know initiates yeah. or GD style like me and. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, in masonry is a lot of memorization. I mean, it's probably mostly I've, masons that are digging what the style of I mean practice. Third, I, I think one the last ritual that I was in as a, as a reunion was probably something in the neighborhood of ten type pages of memory of I mean word for word that you're yeah memorizing yeah. and it you know when we say ritual for the Scottish rite it's really plays that you're putting on these dramatic plays and there's a stage and you have lighting and sound. And it's not like the blue lodge blue lodge. Just all the, all the rituals are exactly the same. You do them over and over and over and over again. Well, in the Scottish right, you got 29 of them, you know? So, yeah. and, and uh, the, the lodge that we had um, in Portland, it was, you know, a, a, a vaudeville stage and with all the lighting and sound and the props and like you had the little microphone right here that i mean so and you had all the costumes were over a hundred year old handmade costumes the backdrops oh. were all made a, over a hundred years ago hand painted i mean they were just gorgeous and so it was really we took a lot of pride in uh the rituals that we did at the scottish rite awesome awesome yeah yeah because what you're trying to do what, what really these rituals are particularly in um freemasonry is they're meant this is 
you, when they talk about the secrets of Freemasonry, the only reason they're secrets is because we don't want to tell you the ending. It'd be like watching a movie that somebody just told you the ending of. It needs to have an impact. All right, these are meant to change your life. These these rituals. So it's not that it's a secret. I mean, we just don't want you to know about it before going through it. So you know, uh, a lot of people oh they're they're all secretive. They're well only because for your benefit. Mm. <laughs> it's your benefit, not not societies at large. Yeah, yeah. As my uh, friend in uh, in California would always say, Marilyn Mother Bear, she would always say, the, the mystery is the experience. Yeah. I don't know where, if she got that from somewhere, if she just uh, distilled it from years, uh, 80, 82 years of experience. Mm -hmm. um, I do the same thing. You know, I've read so many books over my, you know, 56 years that it's like, you know, is this, is, is this a profound, you know, thought or is it something that I ripped off from somebody else and I'm just too old? to remember where I, where I took it from you know what i mean but it doesn't matter the intent is the same and if it's a if it's a good quote it's a good quote yeah so um actually speaking of the lion belt our our dear mm -hmm. friend uh ashy chassis <laughs> brian yeah ash and shasan mm -hmm. just did a nice post on that about that oh did he yeah, yeah I, haven't, he, I haven't seen I, it I rarely go on Facebook, but then mm -hmm. I, sometimes I do. And sometimes I spend a few hours catching up on interesting things. And there's amazing mm -hmm. research going on in some of those groups, as you and I both probably know. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Like it's so. a place you can literally have in one day. I might have a con little chat with, you know, Peterson, Fuller, and some other people and be like, oh, well, you can't mm -hmm. do that on Facebook, unfortunately. It would be right, amazing right. if we could. But um, so there's some reasons. But yeah, Brian uh, mentioned that. It's not necessary, but it does, you know, add a lot. I think most of us find that the more tools we have, the more more it adds, and the more the stronger it gets. Just, just sort of like I don't think you can expect to have an apparition, you know, uh, mm -hmm. under most circumstances. But you know, if you want to get one, you should probably maybe do the, you know, seven. Well, yeah, I mean, I would try to do it as, and and I think it it comes down to um, the more you've been doing magic, you know, when it's working good. And you know when it's not, you know, you know, if you could like, I need to do more here, there needs to be something else because you know what it feels like when it's working and you know what it feels like when it's not. So, yeah. And if, and if you, if you're the type of person that really needs the garb and the implements and I mean, to me, the best wand I've ever had is my finger. Yeah. It's always with me. Yeah. It's always with me. I can use it at any time, right? You know, if I have to go, like, I'm used to doing my magic with this specific wand, all the, you know, and then you don't have it with you and you're on a trip or you're on, you're like, what are you going to do? Right. You know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a very, it's very risky to get caught up in all the tools and ornamentation mm -hmm. of things. And that's why I think it's the, the method in the, in the GD is really nice where you don't focus on that stuff. Everyone's in the same plain right. simple robe uh, you know in our temple we even required the removal of like uh piercings and stuff just mm. to just just to remove you know right we want to all be and that's, that's why that's you true. have all yes. the towel robes you have i mean everybody wears the same kind of robe everybody wears the same yeah kind of, same same kind of black simple robe no necklaces mm -hmm. no rings no nope. no nothing on that just no hoods your, your, yeah mm -hmm. simple people you know there's no ego yeah. here and it, you know i i don't I think that's helpful just to remind people that, you know, no one in this temple is special, more special than anyone no. else at all. Right. And, and you, and that's really an important foil when you have a hierarchical natural system of 
grades, degrees, and honorifics, which, as we all know, Absolutely. can 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 really trigger and bring out a thing. Well, they're designed almost to trigger and bring out issues, mm -hmm. so we can work through them, right? If someone right. gets the ego, sometimes they're detrimental to the ego for sure. Yeah, almost you know, by um, design. Like you know, yeah. let's let's see how you handle that because if you can't handle this, we don't want you being in a position of authority over vulnerable people or people who put their trust in you. That's for sure. Well, each step you go through then into the sephiroth, the different sephiroths, you're getting bombarded. Your ego's just getting pounded, just getting pounded. You know, none of them are easy and you're going to be, go through an alchemical transformation through each specific one if done, if you're doing it correctly. And if the, the rituals are being done by a, a good temple, you're going to come out of there. And a lot of times it's rough. It's hard. It's, I mean, when you're when you're talking that transformation of ego, you're talking about going through Negredo almost every time you hit a new Sephira. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. uh, you're going through the dark night of the soul each time you go through one of those. It's none of them are are uh, you know none of them are easy, and all of them have a, an aspect on your ego that is painful but worth the pain. I always kind of likened it to. As you're going through these, going through those three alchemical, you know, the Negredo, the Albedo, and the the Rebedo, and I kind of look at it like somebody who's a long distance runner. You know, you start out running, you know, and you're like me, could probably lose 15, 20 pounds. You know, you're going to go out there and it's going to hurt. You're going to be breaking stuff down. You're going to be going through Negredo. But then after you get through and you start doing this, and now you've been running for a couple months, it's almost like meditation. You know what I mean? Yeah, And then you get to the point where you don't even think about it. You can be thinking about a grocery shopping, you know, once you've been doing it a year, you know what I mean? So once you go through that particular point in time and through those, those three stages, then it's time to go to the next sephir and do it all over again on a different aspect of your ego. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, The, uh, the 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 alchemical processes of, of mm -hmm. black, white, green, red, some mm -hmm. variations within those, of course, um, have taken on a whole new meaning to me now that I've just finished reading Angels in Vermilion by mm. Newman. Have you checked that out? Right. No, I haven't. I've heard very good things about it, though. Yeah. I really have. Um, and even in, again, you know, Scottish right is so has been so important to me that that's our three color hats black red and white are the three hats you know that, that, that they have and they even talk about those three alchemical transformations in one of the rituals that we go through it's very uh very hermetic um you know the the scottish rite goes into a lot of hermeticism where the blue lodge is really i've always kind of called it the uh the basic training of of masonry where everything's strict you're turning one way you're signing this way you don't speak until this and you, you know what i mean mm. When you once once you get past that, out of that basic training kind of stuff, and you can get into the Scottish Rite, well, then you get in more to the philosophy and the concepts, and you know, we do a ritual where it's it's the Hall of the Dead. We go through that Egyptian, you know, the whole the whole thing. With I, we we'll have guys like you up there with a big beard, and they're they're always we always put them as ISIS because we you know we only have men there, so. Um, all of the female characters, we always have the biggest burly guys doing <laughs> doing those. Uh, That's hilarious. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, you know, we could title this episode Freemasonry and Gender Blending. 
Yeah, we could. We haven't even been talking about uh, books, have we? But uh, yeah. Oh, we can. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that too. But it's very it's very <laughs> cool. I don't have often a lot of um, uh, you know, fellow Golden Dawn people mm -hmm. on, and it's and I think one of the biggest me sometimes I think the biggest problem in the Golden Dawn world is the separation between everyone in it, like. Mm -hmm. Like there's a bunch of uh you know young relatively new GD initiates here in Vancouver, but they're all with different groups. So there's no none of them get to have any instruction at all, and none of them can right. get together or, or even to really. They're even you know they might not be discouraged from getting together and having coffee, but they can't learn together. They can't work together, and it's like that to right. me is very ironic. You know, um, what I yeah what I've always wanted with with uh, and and it's never happened in any you know. Templar Lodge that I've been in is that I think every person coming in, particularly a neophyte, should have a mentor all the way through until they're adept. They should we have somebody that. who is already adept. In our order, yeah, yeah, because yeah, we, probably one of the one of the better things we actually did in our in our uh, in our GD order um, mm -hmm. have a what we called proctors taking someone from neophyte up. That is, that's yeah. Then, so then like, you were blessed because for me it was just like hit and miss. One of the most common calls I had to make when I was, uh, mm -hmm. I think, you know, well, starting at that adaptive, but higher pan cancellarius and pure. When I was premonstrator, I was constantly having to call, uh, you know, philosophy and 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 mm -hmm. members who were mentoring new neophytes. Be like, did you get that you were you were supposed to? You had to bring get them to the temple, give them a one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one walk through the material, go into the temple, give them the basics of all the ritual work, and you know, I would have, I'd have, I'd have uh, sometimes honored honored fratters and sores who'd be like oh but it's just one person i don't want to come all that way just for that one person and then i'd have to get like a little uh severe on them and be like well it's it's really we were there for those, you yeah. exactly and, and it's reaffirming to the person who's doing the train you know not uh, training is a bad word but the person who's mentoring because you're kind of going back into that that grade because one of the things that that uh, one of the the folks in uh, the gd told me was like the best thing you can do as a neophyte is go down there and set up the temple before everybody gets here. Yeah. Put all the chairs where they're supposed to be, get all the lamans, get all the, get all, you know, get all of that. The nemesis, get put them all in the chairs they're supposed to be in. And when it comes to your, when it comes to your grade test, you're going to fly through that part of it. I tell you, yeah. and that will work with you for a long time. You'll know where all of those things are, where each one of those, uh, the adepts are setting, which, you know, we're, where you're supposed to be setting, where, you know, Stilistis and all, I mean, where everybody is, you know, and so that helped me out a lot, just with the colors and the, you know, the flashing colors, where they're at, where the, you know, um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, that was one, one aspect of uh, a mentor that came in there and said, you should, you should really do that, and I did the same thing with some guys coming in later, I'm going, I'll go down there with you, let's set it up a few times, and then from that point forward, you do it, you know, start working yeah. and then I'll come down and make sure everything's in the right place before everybody gets down there. But you got to get there early, like you said, to do that. You know, you got to come 30 minutes, 45 minutes earlier to set that, set the temple up. Um, so also yeah. uh, one of the mentors basically told me, and I, I do it to this day is every morning I do an invoking ritual. Every evening I do a banishing ritual, get up in the morning. So for I don't know, five, six years I've been doing that every, and it just centers you every morning in having a magical mindset from the very, so as soon as you get out of bed, because I have a temple in the house, just go into the temple and do your, you know, get centered right away. 
Well, obviously I agree with you. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, entirely. It's uh, I mean, it's, it's my personal spirituality as much as, mm -hmm. uh, and I think spirituality is a fine word in this context, even if Skinner might disagree with it because the golden dawn isn't just magic. It, I think of it as a mystery school that teaches magic. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah, you know, I would probably consider myself a mystic who does magic is the way I would consider myself. You know, what I want to do is understand and get closer to God. That's what I want to do. I want to understand it. And I have this this scratching inside my skull that just wants to know, that wants to be aware and just wants to, you know, know what how all this, you know, begins and how it starts. And, and it probably has something to do with my upbringing. I was brought up in a, a very strict Pentecostal, you know religion which i would consider to be um um christian voodoo basically where i mean they're <laughs> speaking speaking in tongues and flopping around and you know on the ground and you know under the influence of the holy spirit and i mean so i was seeing this stuff from birth till 18 so i mean i always believed in these you know i always believed that spirits were here all the time all the time because that's just all i'd ever known you know yeah. but it was a very strict strict we didn't we didn't dance with snakes, but we we there was there was uh you know churches, tent revivals and stuff that we visited that did. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't actually really know anything about Christianity until mm -hmm. I was ten. Uh, I was raised yeah. in a Maharishi family, which mm -hmm. is you know so that's very different. Uh, like, oh, usually, yeah. Yeah, like I was going through physical initiations from age seven, and mm -hmm. yeah, it was it was very different. Uh, but you know, eventually I found my found my path it wasn't that yeah. it was similar you know right there's not that much difference between transcendental meditation and basic techniques as we find in the cloud of unknowing um but of course sure. when you get into the more advanced uh, stuff in the city stuff i don't want to you know poop on maharishi tm practitioners out there mm -hmm. you know, i have you know the same experiences that a lot of kids growing up in any sort of system uh you know experience there's pros and cons um sure. yeah What's yeah, um, it's hard to find that stuff. You know, you guys gotta, you just, it's trial and error. You yeah. know, it's, it's an evolution is what it is. And who knows whether you can do it in a lifetime or not. I don't know. I probably, in my lifetime, I'm not smart enough to probably do it in a lifetime for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who knows about that? Um, do, do you believe in reincarnation? Well, I, you know, I think that insofar as that, you know, I'm not completed yet, then yeah. You know, I, because I'm just a completist, you know, maybe that's the collector in me going like, okay, I need this, you know, that's volume four. I got to have volume four, you know, and I am not at volume four yet. So <laughs> my spirit is not at volume four yet. I got to come back and make sure I get this. That's uh, awesome. So at least I hope it, I hope so. Uh, in, in, you know, in the completion sense, I'm not sure I want to go through, you know, the whole suffering thing, but hopefully <laughs> every time you come back, you learn how to suffer less as, you know, the Buddhist would say. Let's end suffering. You know, you're always going to have pain, but that doesn't mean you have to suffer. Suffering is a choice. Pain is inevitable. Mm. Well, we cannot control whether any ads get put in the spots allocated. We thank you for listening to those that do, since they help keep this project alive. You can also get ad-free content and bonus content and videos and a private webpage by subscribing exclusively to magicwithoutfears.com for only a couple dollars a week or $6 a month or 50 for the year. It helps a lot, plus you get emails about other exclusive things. Thank you very much. And now, a word from our sponsors.
That's interesting. Yeah, suffering is a choice. It's uh pain is not. You're gonna have pain. Oh yeah. Whether you make it be the focal point of your life is a choice. Yeah. Books. Ashen Chan, you have championed mm -hmm. in a way. Um putting out beautiful yeah. editions of his book. Uh, my fr friend Jesse in California showed me the black and white one. Yeah, yeah. Boy, did I wish I was, did I wish I know about like what was going on in the culture right, right. world. Because uh, yeah. you know how it is when you practice for a really long time, you sort of check out of the book world because like you, mm -hmm. you do stop. You're just too engrossed. Yeah. Needing books at a certain point, really. Mm -hmm. sort of like, or you have enough magical work to fill up three lifetimes without looking at it. That, that sure. happens. That definitely. Oh, absolutely. And that's yeah. actually, that's where you want to get to. That's once you're there, then you're, then you call yourself an adept if you want. Cause it's like, you literally have more than you can do in your lifetime. You know how mm -hmm. to do it. You know, what's right. up, you get to it. But so that's I found at the it. point where you know the path and you're walking the path. That's, you know, that's, that's an enormous step for a magician, knowing the path, just getting to know the path. This is the path I'm going to take, you know? And I was and happy then, on that path till mm -hmm. all you motherfuckers started publishing these gorgeous <laughs> books. <laughs> you were like, oh, I'll be careful yeah. to swear. I'm like, no, we swear on this podcast. It's all it gets yeah, it's it's pre-explicit warrant. Like, you know, right. I I I pigeonholed myself early on because I didn't think this thing would become a popular when mm -hmm. I started it during first week of COVID or whatever. Mm -hmm. There shows what I know. Uh you never know what's gonna work out in the end. So well, cream always rises to the top. If you do good work, people are gonna listen. Well, I thought I would just say whatever the fuck I, me and my guests mm -hmm. wanted to say because mm -hmm. none of the podcast efforts I'd done in the past took off. And it seems saying whatever the fuck I would be wanted to say and being silly sometimes or on mushrooms or whatever, seems like right. like that. And they're like, oh, this is, so yeah, I'll, I'm trying to keep it, keep doing that um, and yet still get better at this because I don't consider myself particularly good at podcasting by any means. Well, I think the chats are the best anyway, because if not, you get into the point where you're just getting too, it just seems mechanical. You know, if it doesn't, you have 10 questions and then what do you think of these 10, you know, yeah. it's, it's better just to kind of riff, I think. It's more interesting to me listening to those kind of talks. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you also want a variety in the, in the field and sure. there's already, there's already some ones out there, the pre-recorded ones that are very, mm -hmm. very well done and there's no need to. Oh, absolutely. That. Yeah. No mm -hmm. need to compete. Like, uh, let's create sure. more, not more of the same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, you, but, uh, uh, yeah, the books like, uh, with, with that one in particular, I um, had already read Gateways Through Stone and Circle and was just enamored with it. And I've I've actually even you know wanted to reproduce that one as well, but it's still under you know Nephilim has it at this particular point because there's just I think that the illustrations in it and their stuff are a little weak and some of there's there's quite a bit of typos and stuff in it too that I'd like to clean up a little bit and yeah fix yeah. And I'm, I remember his three paragraph explanation of how it all works mm -hmm. as best he could describe. And that, mm -hmm. that one I read, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I, I bet he could redo that better right. because that was, and I'm sure that he would like to as well. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to him about it, but you know, he's, he's such a good guy that, you know, he don't want to step on anybody's toes. The publisher was, you know, good enough to publish it and get it out there and get it into folks like my hands for sure. You the know? fine and, edition looks really cool. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it, it did. And, you know, that was Joel from uh, Arsenatoria who basically did the uh, binding of of uh, that Gateways Through Stone and Circle. 
and it's uh, you know Joel's gone now, but uh, you know I'd love to still I'd love to find a copy of that, and I've probably sold ten of them in my career, but if I ever have a chance to get one of those babies again, that one won't be going up on the site. So, so but you've sold ten, you just but you should have kept one. You got Absolutely. them in. So you got Absolutely. them in. You had them there. Well, you know, here's here's the thing. And you let you them know, go. Here, here's the thing. It's you know. <laughs> Now we're if, you're a, if, if you're if you're a collector and a bookseller, it's almost like being a heroin addict and a drug seller <laughs> at the same time. Okay, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sometimes you just got to go. I got to I got to pay the mortgage. You know, the mortgage must be paid. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, I do love beautiful libraries. I really, really do. Um, they are a passion of just seeing them. I love seeing. Uh, people's uh, you know shelfies online where they just have and particularly when I see some of my books that are that I've published on there it just really makes my day seeing that in, in people's bookshelves yeah it's a it's and it's a healthier addiction I mean imagine if uh, uh, you know imagine if all of Hunter's resources went to books and occult literature there you go exactly yeah that would, now that would make for a hacked iphone i'd actually want to see there you go yeah <laughs> it's like Absolutely. filled with all these manuscripts you could only afford if your dad was president <laughs> right yeah that would be a library I love it yeah oh, right and God. like you could get yeah. into syria and get the artifacts that are being just before they're destroyed you know love it why can't love we it. get like an yeah. occultist at that level of it's you know yeah i don't know I'm being silly. You know, I, I, I miss the days and I've even tried to talk to some people about doing some written correspondence back and forth. You know what I mean? Just the old days where you had to like write a letter and think about what you were writing prior to, you know, and then sending it to somebody through the mail, them reading it, this, you know, emails, I probably write 150 emails a day, you know, and I could just like almost do it blind, just boom, boom, boom. I mean, I mean, just, and I just miss the days where seeing a handwritten letter, seeing people's, you know, handwriting, seeing people's, you know, even here's if my, it's... Here's my ink quill pot. I will get some stationery out and write you a thank you for, for all, yeah. you, all you And here's, here's, here's my... Uh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's a sailor. Yeah. They're not cheap, but I, uh, you know, I think they're, I think it's important. You I'll know? send you a letter. If you're keeping send a, me a letter. I'd I'd be happy to do it. Happy It'll to do great. it on some nice parchment and like yeah. You know, and then I've uh, what really did it for me one time is you know I've been like I said doing this a long time and I went and I purchased a bunch of these old fanzines, science fiction and horror fanzines from back in the seventies. They're almost Xerox copy stuff from this uh, one family. And I'm looking through these, looking through these, and I open one up and a postcard lands in my lap. And so I pick up this postcard and I'm, and I'm reading it and it's HP Lovecraft to Clark Ashton Smith. And it's the first, it's the first postcard. It's the first written uh, acknowledgement that HP Lovecraft knew who Crowley was. He called him a queer duck in this. That Crowley guy is a queer duck, isn't he? Like, yeah. It's, uh, so yeah, that before that, they didn't know if he really even knew he, you know, who he was or what, he, you know, but now with that, I mean, that was historical at that particular point in time, you know, that dropping into my lab, just opening up, you know, what was setting in carts in people's garages, you know. Wow. So, yeah. oh, here's a question to ask only a bookseller. Mm -hmm. like, do you ever know what happened with all of that uh, material that was on TV that Regardi's grandson or whoever found and didn't know his who is real? He I have his, no idea. But you know, I have no about. idea where that went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, those kind of things pop up all the time. Yeah. But you know, 
getting back to my point is that if it's in an email, you're never going to find that. Right. Right. It's gone. It's gone. But you know, so those kind of correspondences that people cherished and kept were important. And I had my, it's a lost art and we no longer have it. I had a huge bag, a box of all my, me and my closest friends, handwritten letters, a lot of them calligraphy, some Mm -hmm. typewriter written. And it was unfortunately with my stolen library and property that, that I all lost. Well, that's Mm -hmm. in the possession of some guy won't need to right. we don't need to talk about that but yeah i mean it was heartbreaking it was just heartbreaking oh my yeah, god and, it, and the and fact it's that just uh it's lost you know lost. we're losing it well it's not lost and so well that's what i'm saying i'm just yeah. saying our our correspondences are lost in you know yeah. the internet in tweets in tweets yeah. and in you know these 128 character bullshit you know what i mean we anyway i i miss that era and i remember when that was still prevalent and you know, I'm old enough to know that to be yeah. alive at that time. But anyway, books, uh, the, the, yeah. And so, I mean, I contacted him, he had a manuscript at the time that was, uh, and we worked on that manuscript with him, me and the editor for months and months and months. And then I have an artist that I had worked with in the past and I put those two together and they worked together to get them the way that, uh, you know, Brian wanted them. And so we were off to the races after that. It's a, I, I, I was beyond thrilled to, that you put out a new hardcover of that, which I believe is still available. Um, yeah, see, what we've done is um, I'm of the belief, because I'm a, I'm a collector as well, that doing second edition of limited editions kind of seems like an oxymoron to me. It's a limited edition. If it's limited, how can you do another, you know? There's so, a lot of I mean, things about that. So for me, what yeah. I do is, is I do a a deluxe edition, a limited edition. And then if I want after that, I'll do a lower priced trade edition and it'll be for the people that need the book or a paperback, you know, but for the collectors that want a beautiful edition that maybe is Smythe-sewn and and in some more exotic cloths and stuff like that, we'll produce those for them. And I think those have their place and they're limited edition and they should stay limited. Now I have no, I I have no issue with somebody bringing out another uh, edition of that, say like, um, the Hecateon that you know Jack Grail did, where he not expanded it. on that last edition is one yeah, of my exactly. greatest regrets this year. I don't know yeah. why I didn't. I just I have no excuse. Like it wasn't a financial decision. It was just. Uh, well, we had some so much issues with that. Uh, we lost probably over two hundred and some odd books of where they just didn't show up. Really. So, mm-hmm. But anyway, um, yeah, it was uh, that was that was challenging, but. With him, he put extended material in it. If you're going to expand it, you know, if you're going to do a new, you know, introduction, if you're going to have maybe some uh, guest authors come in and do their essays, maybe of, of you know, um, an afterword or something like. If you're if you're going to do something different with it, then yeah, go ahead and do it. But if you're going to put out this exact same book in a limited edition again, now that that first limited edition is sold out, um, now collectors buy them, so it's good for me, right? Yeah, um, it just doesn't make sense in my head, and I'm still trying to get my head around it. Because when I was in the horror genre part of this, that would never fly. That would have never went with the collectors in that in that genre. Yeah, because um, you're 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 devaluing their books. Exactly. So, uh, but in this genre, people collectors just don't seem to have the same issue that um, other collectors. And I and I think it's because a lot of the people in here aren't collectors; they're practitioners, and they see this book as a talisman as opposed to 
um, a specific limited edition. And that's great. And I understand. Yeah. Um, it's just still because of my background. It's just odd to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, that's actually a really interesting nuance between the sort of the, the collectors of regular books versus collectors mm -hmm. of books that are designed for practical use. Exactly. Because yeah, the I think that's the difference. Yeah. The books themselves mm -hmm. are uh, exhort that desire. Well, they're sigils. They're magical. They're magical in themselves. You know, yeah. a lot of them are consecrated like the primal craft stuff. I mean, he consecrates every single one of those. Oh, really? Oh, every single one. Can yeah. you, okay. As someone who doesn't know anything about that fellow, but I've seen his stuff. Mm -hmm. everywhere, what is the appeal? Uh, cause, cause as another GD person, you probably mm -hmm. that's my mentality. So what, what, what is the appeal to someone who doesn't know anything about that? Well, I, I think that a lot of times, um, you know, this is, this is his passion. It's what, you know, this is his, this is everything in his life. I mean, this is what he, he really did. And I've talked to him on the phone and he's a very energetic fella. Let me tell you, you get on the phone with him and if you don't have an hour and a half to blow, you know, because he, he there is no, there is no, you know, getting a word in for the most part, he's going to, you know, put, and so <laughs> I love him to death. He's a good friend of mine. Believe me. Um, it sounds like you might be a good a podcast guest. Oh, he would. Yeah. Yeah. But you just, you need to a lot, at least two hours. So um, my episode with Lenny Peterson was six hours. Yeah. So you, you'll do fine with him, but, and then, you know, you'll just need to have a, you just need to have a bullet point with, with a question and, and, you know, and then you'll have 30 minutes, you know, for each question. So at least, um, but that could be one another, of those episodes where I take mushrooms. There you go. It would be good. Yeah. And he is, uh, he's a very interesting fellow, very passionate about what he does and, uh, you know, really is produces his books under very, very high quality. Um, and we sell a lot of his books. Yeah. And so Probably. it's witchcraft, correct? It's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's Hecate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, it's Hecate and mm -hmm. witchcraft as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, all you and so um, it's not really my path, you know, yeah. um, I have tried some of it and it just doesn't jive for me. Um, um, I've had one experience where um, with uh, Santa Morte that maybe we can talk about a little later that kind of would not mesh with those two and even in the same area. So, okay. Huh. Yeah. So, Did you practice they just, they're both of, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I go, you go ahead, please. Okay. Well, um, as far as with Santa Morte, I was going to a botanica just to get some incense and some other stuff in Portland. And they had a Santa Morte temple in the back. So me being always interested in esoteric and occult stuff, I definitely wanted to take a look at this. So I got a, um, I got a candle, went back there to go put in a candle and it was very dark and there was an enormous uh, Santa Morte statue there. And then tons of Santa Morte statues over there. And you could just, when you walked in there, you just, I mean, the hairs just were standing up on your, on your arms. I mean, you could just feel the energy in that, that place. And as I'm going up there and setting that down <clears throat> and I've, I've done a lot of magic. I've done a lot, you know, for many years and never really had what I would call a, a physical supernatural event happen to me where I'm just went like, Holy, Holy shit. But something grabbed me in there and <clears throat> embraced me where they put their arm around me and pushed me towards them and held me. <laughs> held me uh yeah and uh 
So after that, and it was, it wasn't a, a mean embrace. It wasn't, it was more like a motherly or a wife kind of, kind of putting her arm around you, putting her head on, you know, like it was a loving kind of embrace. And every since then, I'm, well, I mean, I just, I felt that. And uh, we've had in our house for probably a decade now, we have had a separate section in our house just for Santa Martha. And it's the, it's the family uses it where we, and so er, daily I will, you know, put incense and stuff in that specific room and just as a memento mori just to remind me that you know every day is precious and every day is you know because when you do that you know the rest of your day feels a lot better regardless of what happens you know you're kind of going like you know my breakfast tastes a little better today knowing that i don't have that many more of these left i got one less today than i'm gonna have tomorrow so mm. memento mori i haven't heard that much since my knights of columbus days that's yeah, and you know, there. I think they stole think, it from the Masons. Yeah, it you know, like uh, not too many of them have it um, nowadays, but they used to have uh, you know a chamber of reflection, and that's what I call mine. I call it a chamber mm. where you go in there and reflect on the gift of life, you know, and that it's not going to last forever, and you know, entropy is there, you know, and uh, the the room that we have the the statue of her we built ourselves my wife sewed her her gown you know it's like i said it's a family thing where we go in there and we remember daily how precious life is beautiful yeah that is beautiful that's a powerful energy yeah very oh, much yeah. so yeah it's a and so one of the times i thought like i was talking to mark about this and i'm going like you know i'm gonna try a little bit of this and i kind of they were near the same room, like a Hecate stat, and it just, I could tell that it just was not going to work having that other, like the Hecate energy near the Santa Morte energy. It just was, yeah, that was so, hmm. I had to remove the Hecate statue. But. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, uh, Other than uh, Ashen Shasan's mm -hmm. Gateways Through Stone, or no, second one, the Gateways Through smoke and shadow light, light and shadow, light and shadow sorry mm -hmm. i'm sorry brian um <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> yeah. uh other than that uh azoth published um mm -hmm. is that greer's two volume oh yeah we've published we've published two things well i published probably what four books by john michael greer now oh wow uh, two of them were lovecraft books because I used to work with S.T. Joshi on a series of uh, upcoming Lovecraftian authors. Um, and so he, he really likes S.T. Joshi, who's the, you know, uh, the Lovecraft scholar. And so we got to talking about it and he had two novels um, that he had done in, um, you know, in the Lovecraft. They were definitely hugely Lovecraftian and they were amazing. And then I did, um, I did uh, Dolman Arch volume one and two. And then we did the Bruno book. Um, so yeah, which Bruno uh, one did you do? Uh, on the Shadow of the Ideas. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the the John Michael Greer books were ones I I definitely had my eye on. The the Lesser and Greater Mysteries, mm -hmm. and those are books for his order of uh, is the Ancient Order. Of, uh, uh, um, well, he's got two. I'd have to. Yeah, yeah. it's the Druid. It's yeah. the Druid, and you know it's uh, and and I've and I've read his book on um the Golden Dawn Druid 
and it just does that just doesn't resonate with me either it's just like i tried and it's just like okay you know hebrew's hard enough <laughs> to yeah learning a new language to put it both like i don't think so yeah um yeah <laughs> i don't know i i'll say i'll, I'll uh I will tell you probably the one of the best, you know, the gateways through lightning shower, fantastic. And it's definitely in my, you know, top five. But another one that's in my top five that I didn't publish um, is uh, Holy Damon by Rocker. If you haven't read that one, oh my God. Yeah. Amazing. I've got amazing. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. I've read a bit of it when I at a mm -hmm. when I was at friends um like you know a good chunk part of me was part of me felt like an intruder on someone else it felt like i was reading it, it felt like almost as if i as it like if i had written about a book on like my five six and then someone else read mm -hmm. it i felt like i was intruding on something that was oh, very it personal is. to his. yeah so it, i felt it is i felt like it wasn't for me like i was reading something that you know, this was it, his experience. It, I had mine. Why should right. I don't want to know what your big right. moments were? Because I had well, mine. I've just, I've but heard of so many people. I've heard of so many people tell me, particularly in you know some the the temples that I'm involved with and stuff like that, that they've done the the, the Abramelin. Oh, I've done the Abramelin a couple times, and I'm just like, what? Really? <laughs> you know, the Abramelin to me seems hugely hugely difficult and complex and how you could possibly do it and not be a very very wealthy person and have an, an inordinate amount of time on your hands to complete it correctly you know and so that's what this book is about him going through that process and the effects that it had on his family on him while he's also trying to like work for a living and get through this but i think what that book showed me is that it's possible Mm. you know that it's that it's and so yeah it is a very personal personal uh book but i think that that proves that it's possible to for somebody that is like us can be successful at it well that's amazing i've never heard it said quite mm. like that so that's good yeah um you know yeah my general thing is i think people should you know put in the work to have those experiences for themselves rather than sure just read about them Absolutely. from others um, I mean, uh, you know, one person, a, a guy from some Golden Dawn Temple recently, whether I know which one or not, mm -hmm. I, sometimes it's hard to keep them all straight, actually, um, sure. you know, was telling me, uh, you know, how much, uh, I don't know, it seemed like a little bit of like, they resonated with my experiences of things mm -hmm. and stuff and wanted to share, but they were sharing that, like, they were very proud of having, they said, gone from neophyte to philosophist all in a year. And oh, I'm that like, would, yeah. that's, that doesn't have any that that is so opposite to my experience i mean i went yeah, through pretty quickly especially for a you know they definitely mm -hmm. you know they saw me as a young prodigy kid but like it was still like three years out of order 18 took, months in portal it for took that me one. it took me six years and i was on it yeah yeah six well, years all i did man yeah so, i mean nice it took me six years and and you know um yeah it was like i said uh if you go through the golden dawn steps correctly they're hard hard you know they're not it's not easy and and each time i go to another one i'm just like okay what kind of chaos is going to happen you know 
uh, because you're just uh, being so much, you know, so influenced by maybe Mercury or maybe Venus or maybe, you know, these, these influences that these whole new influences that you, your aura is just not prepared for at that particular point in time. I don't think, I think that, you know, you have to build yourself up to that, that resonance. You know, uh, it occurs to me, I think I didn't even respond to the, the email in question. I might've responded off out in another format, you know, like DMS, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. respond. And the reason is because I don't know what to say to someone because, you know, if someone's happy, I don't want to mm -hmm. bring up anyone's parade, but if someone's happy, right. they're in a temple, maybe they were thinking of joining a different temple or a different order. I don't know. It's a little mm -hmm. confusing when I get a lot of these emails. And I don't know what to say to someone who says, I went through the Golden Dawn and got to philosophy right. in only a year because I feel like they might be asking for something, some kind of advice or guidance for me. But honestly, that, that, and you know, I'm a spiritual director. This is what I've been doing since I got my Masters of Divinity on and off mm -hmm. music. And mm -hmm. I don't actually know what to say to that person. What do you say to someone who's who says that? You know, I've had I've had people say the same thing to me about, you know, them reaching Albedo in in uh, you know, uh spiritual alchemy. And I'm just going like, well, you know, at that stage, you're, you're, you're seeing spirits, you're seeing, I mean, like, just like they're, you're seeing a person, you know, so congratulations. Well done you, you know, I don't know whether they really accomplished that or not, but it's not, it's not me to tell them whether they have or whether they haven't. I don't know how many lives that person has left and where they, you know, maybe, maybe they're far more advanced than me. I'm not there yet, you know, and I've been practicing, you know, spiritual alchemy for a long, long time. And so, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, well, I guess maybe I did the right thing by just saying nothing. Like, yeah, just the Irish musicians in Ireland taught me if yeah. you can't add, don't take away. Yeah, yeah, just like, congratulations, good for you, man. You know, you know, you know if you have any tips, let me know. <laughs> kind of stuff, you know, I'll take them. Yeah. <laughs> That's that would might seem a little, yeah. a little, uh, catty given that they're yeah. writing to me for help. But it's like if you're saying, oh, okay, saying, I got you. Yeah, I see. What how you're can saying. I help that, you're you? You're trying that could if be, you're yeah. claiming these things. I don't know right. why you think I can help you because right. what you're claiming is, is no one's ever claimed. Well, maybe they're maybe like, they're looking for clarification that they have reached that, and you know, since you should know. You yeah, know, well, I I know. just didn't have it in. We need to write back. Yeah. I, you need to do it all again, right? Because that's not a thing. No, and it's like I said, it's to get through those. It's just not the the testing it's the the aura work that you're doing and that is is harder than the 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 memorization and the other stuff in it to me you know yeah i wonder how many people don't realize about that stuff until you've actually been actually working in a golden dawn temple mm -hmm. um, with people you know and then you see there's this whole other element to it that you can't get from donald michael craig no it's 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 it was night and day when I stepped because Temple Tehuti was founded by Nineveh Shadra, mm -hmm. the Arabic adept. And, you know, I don't I don't actually I didn't get to know him very well because um, he eventually he left pretty a year later but, and the temple blossomed. Um, but he was he was hardcore. That was the one thing we all appreciate. Mm -hmm. It was hard fucking core. Like if mm -hmm. the spirit didn't show up in the first hour, the planet era, you keep going all night, eight hours. Right. Keep going all yeah. night until he got yeah until he got it yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah, like i know, you know i know folks like that and it's like i mean magic is their world you know one of my first lessons was going was uh, my as a neophyte was in the temple 
doing the middle pillar and mm -hmm. the, then he left and he's like i'll come back at the end of class and that meant i was doing it for two hours mm -hmm. i never I've, i don't think i've ever done a two-hour once uh like that since then right however right. i when i opened my eyes and sort of rose from the weird yogic posture i was in um because you know why not uh mm -hmm. you know, it felt like i was floating like it just it was insane sure. it was insane it's like okay there is something to doing these things extensively and pushing yourself beyond certain limits there's also oh, something yeah. not overdoing it of course well that's that's the key i mean again that's that's the hard part in this there's not a lot of you have these fuzzy lanes that they're trying to tell you to stay in to try this you know and trying to stay in those lines and trying to accomplish what you're set out to accomplish can be complex and difficult and another thing that I know that there's people out there that are uh, magically inclined enough to be able to self-initiate. Um, but to me, if you're in a temple, I mean, they're, they're charging your aura in these, in these rituals. When you're going through a new ritual or going to a new, you know, separate, you, you're getting charged by the adepts in the temple, your aura. And so it's trying to, you know, give you a nice shell of going into that because they know the chaos that's coming on your, your spirit, you know, the things that you're going to go through and learn in those particular areas are, I found to be very, um, mentally challenging and, um, mentally, emotionally, you're going through each one of those, um, and they change you spiritually, um, uh, mentally and um probably even in ways that we don't quite understand physically and i think that i'm not sure i could do that myself is what i'm trying to say i'm not sure i could charge get that energy and at the same time be speaking the words and doing the things that need to be done um the temple's there of course uh, but in this house but i'm not sure that i could self-initiate to another grade myself yeah i mean and while self-initiation is a thing, mm -hmm. I have not yet found anyone that really believes self-initiation into the mm -hmm. golden dawn is a thing. You, you know, know, I've I have had people that I respect highly uh, tell me that it's absolutely possible, that it's absolutely can be done, and I'm just like, and I'm sure that maybe for somebody of their caliber, maybe it probably is, just not, just not me. <laughs> I just I just yeah. don't think I have the mental capacity and the energy uh necessary to do that and do it correctly without maybe damaging um my aura as opposed to infusing it and strengthening um, it maybe i should clarify or can i clarify i'm not sure if it's that i don't hmm interesting so you're looking at it as like a degree of ability the way I was sort of thinking of it or have been thinking, have always thought of it. Um, this is sort of a timely subject actually in the, in the golden dawn world these days. So it's really good that we're talking about it. Actually. Mm -hmm. um, the way I thought of it was that you sure you might be, you, you like, you know, the Cicero's book of self-initiation in the golden dawn tradition is probably as good as good as good as good as it's sure. going to get um, yeah. uh, as far as that goes. Um <laughs> And, you know, do we even, do we need, it, even if you could write something slightly better, do we need it? Probably not. Um, no. It's, it's it helped me through some tests. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, it, I, I read it. I mean, I still read it to this day. It's probably the one that might go to just to 
get clarification on, on yeah things, and then retest myself because it has the test questions in there and then the test questions in the back the answer the correct answers in the back so yeah um, there's a lot of good stuff there to just retest yourself on something you haven't maybe looked at in you know six years or so yeah totally so the my impression was always that the reason people or we say you can't self-initiate into the golden dawn is because the it was it was, was sort of a categorical re logic simply that you can't put yourself through the initiation as you go through mm -hmm. it with all these officers therefore you can't go through that initiation yeah i mean that's well, I, I find it I didn't hard see it as a matter of uh, are you powerful enough mm -hmm. magically to get you know get yourself into it it's just you can't do it that's not what this is right. can you still self is self-initiation a thing of course it's a, i mean sure. look Fratteracker has presents a beautiful Rosicrucian self-initiation mm -hmm. in Rosicrucian magic. Both of the Enochian initiations from John Dee, they're both self-initiations. So mm -hmm. self-initiation is a thing. But when people talk about self-initiation in the Golden Dawn. Again, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying that I'm not a, a good enough magician to do it. Well, thought of, yeah, no, it's well, yeah, I'm just glad I'm just I'm just I'm just uh, stoked to get to talk about with someone who opinion in my opinion you know, because to me you know i don't have the ability to invoke all of those god forms necessary and to know what they're doing and at the same you know what i mean because the officers are are you know infused with those deities you can't you, you, yeah i just don't know how it's it's capable. i mean i'm sure that there's somebody out there that is magically inclined enough to be able to do that i'm just never going to you know i'm not going to be that person i'm going to need i'm going to need a temple yeah yeah. Yeah. And then and even look at, I mean, because I see every single one of those grades as almost like the portal degree where it's almost like a gestation period. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, you're transforming in each one of those and you can't do it quickly. It, it's the trans. I mean, just because you take a test doesn't mean you're you you, you know, have the transformation complete to go to the next one just because you can do the test doesn't mean you're magically inclined not even magically inclined it's a, that's a poor word just you you your your aura is prepared to go to the 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 negrado of the next phase yeah yeah can we talk uh can we touch on uh secret chiefs sure cool okay so it from my reading it seems mm -hmm. like there's been a, a well, you, even Farrell references the resistance that's been in the North American Golden Dawn for a long time against having any sort of third order secret chiefs. Mm -hmm. uh, not that those two things are actually the same, um, but mm -hmm. there's been a, no, that's where there's humans in charge here. No spooky business, no crazy right. cult uh, theocracy from the divine hereafter. Um, Farrell seems to argue in his books that that is a loss that the North American temples have had. Um, ironically, at one day, I hope I get to tell him all about what our order was like, because I think he missed out on some of its better features. The I would say the same. I would say the same thing. The I, I fully believe in the chiefs. And I fully Golden believe Dawn that. Yeah. What's that? Oh, I was saying the Golden Dawn were sort of smeared everyone all at the same time. So I think a lot of the good things that everyone was doing, like which was mm -hmm. probably for most people, 90%, 99% of what was going on was good stuff. Then there was just this sure. this battle over yeah. trademarks and then 
the, the symptoms of that. And I, and I, I mean, and I think again, a lot of this is due to not having your, you know, as you're going through these these phases, your ego is not. You have to gestate each one of these these sephira, or your ego is going to be. You're going to break your ego. Your ego is going to take over. It's going to be a fight each time, and that's what happens in these temples. It's all about what, how many, how many marks I got on my sash. You know what I mean? Just get rid of those sashes, dude. Just get rid of them. <laughs> you know. I mean, um, yeah, they're, they're go out there they're, in the black robe. Everybody's the same, you know. You, and there's going to be some people that I know that are less of a grade than me that are more magically inclined than me. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, magical, magical talent. You know, I know. I just. It's just, uh, and each one of that is 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 evolution, and uh, evolution is painful. At least it has been for me. <laughs> you know, it's it's it's, it's uh, magic is hard. Magic is hard. So, when it comes to, so you would agree that 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 the idea shirking off the idea of these spiritual of uh, secret chiefs or as I like to mm -hmm. think just spirit guides. I think the term secret chiefs these days is a misnomer. It makes people think of all kinds of weird shit. That's it's, it's more well, accurate. You have it with Blavatsky. You got it in Rosicrucianism too. You got, you know, and all of it just seems kind of, um, and yeah, they're just spiritual guides that are there at, to resonate at a level of, you know, with the depths as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the, the craziest things in as a, while I was in the our, our second order was, uh, you know, a session with one of those mm -hmm. secret chiefs that, you know, uh, said some things that made me almost lose sort of faith in what we were up to. But mm -hmm. they were prophecies. So it's wait and see. Years later, they, they came so true. I was like, oh, snap. OK, so like I don't like it's so it's so blatant that it's like yeah that that we had we had spirit guides guiding our order you know and yeah. it led me to think well maybe that isn't such a bad thing after all um you right. know and uh yeah so there was uh, one thing in our temple one time and um we had um a guy who was who was talking about um and he was in the outer outer chamber right and he uh, he said at break time in the middle of this, right after we do, you know, after we open temple and all that, we get ready for meditation and everybody comes in and he he basically says, hey, like, and I don't remember the specific deity, it was Felig or something like that. He's like, hey, Felig just came in here and he, he wasn't, uh, he was not an adept and they're and the and all the adepts are kind of going like, what? Because they they had the night before. It had their, and that's who they were invoking, and he wasn't even in it. <laughs> and they're going like, "Well, what did you do?" And he goes, "Well, he gave me the sign, so I let his ass in. And he gave me the sign and gave me the password. I let him in." I'm like, holy crap! Yeah, <laughs> you know, was I not supposed to? He thought he was in trouble. You know. Well, at least you guys, uh, yeah, you, you knew who to use for your next uh, major scrying session as the <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you get you you get people. People have. Yeah, Skills you know, I mean, I have never learned. seen any, I'm going to be honest, I've never seen anything like that, never had any of that kind of, I would love to, it would be, you know, I would, I would love for something like that to happen in my life, but I, you just know that that was no messing around because they hadn't told anybody, I mean, the depths are, you know, it's a secret, second order, it's a secret order, they ain't going to say anything to any of the, 
the you know outer order so um when he said that they just all kind of like whoa you know, even they were a little taken back. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always, I always try and make sure that the people I'm, you know, coaching in my little online cyber mm-hmm. guild and, and, and in the work, um, one of the things I try to make, be very careful is to help them note when their mm-hmm. experiences are significant. Cause I didn't know when I was young going through and writing mm-hmm. my diaries filled in, I didn't right. necessarily know which things were actually that amazing just because of life experience and context i was very young um as well so i sort of wished someone had let me know better which things were i should really take note of so now i try and let people know like think about what's just happened think about what's just happened this is one of those experiences like don't don't let me catching you catching you in six months saying oh i don't even know if any of this stuff's real really real Mm -hmm. if a spirit just told you something right during the day that then you saw that night when you were asking for such a thing to happen right like what else mm-hmm. do you want like if you're asking for more than that that's almost like uh it's almost like uh grimoire's warn mm-hmm. against getting spirits to uh perform yeah. tricks for you to show that they're really there to, to, to me that has always been you know the craziest or the 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 simp the the most simple-minded question about magic for me if it works i don't really give a damn i don't care I mean, if it were, if it's working, then to me, magic is real. I don't have to see an entity manifest. And, you know, if, if the, the workings that I'm doing are having benefit and are doing things that are ultra ordinary, it's good enough for me. You know? Amen. And again, I just... you know, I'm more of, like I said, I'm more of a, uh, a, a magical mystic you know the closer that i can get to where i have a feeling that i'm closer to god is that's that's a win as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah i mean magic don't tell don't tell don't tell stephen skinner i'm gonna say this mm-hmm. magic let's whisper it magic is in magic when you do magic you experience god right well if you're doing high magic you're invoking god at the very beginning of everything Right. Plus everything is part of God. So everything exactly. you're experiencing yeah. is God. And the the only, in my opinion, uh, as a theologian, is the only mm-hmm. valid really definitional uh, definition of mysticism is direct experience of the divine. Yeah. That's exactly. what we use in theology. When you use mm-hmm. a different definition, you lose a, you lose a grade because that's the definition mm-hmm. that in theology. Right especially yeah. mystical theology. So it's mm-hmm. hard to imagine magic without mysticism for me. Though I do get what Stephen's mm-hmm. talking about, what Dr. Skinner's talking about when mm-hmm. he when he in his doctoral dissertation drew these lines between magic, mystery schools and mm-hmm. religion and then prayer, magic and uh, mysticism. I do get right. what he's doing there and and how it mm-hmm. actually can lead to some insights. For example, if magic and mysticism and religion are these three distinct things that just have been a little blurred over the last couple thousand years, mm-hmm. if that's correct, and I and you know a lot of PhDs obviously agreed with him that he's correct, otherwise he wouldn't have got his doctorate. Mm-hmm. We kind of re have to rethink our understanding of Western history to its roots. I, that's my thinking based on what I've learned of life and the history. It's mm-hmm. like you've got to sort of rethink actually. We've misorganized a lot of these sort of things. I think that's fascinating. I think oh, that's absolutely. what we need. That's what, I think that's yeah. what's happening culturally, globally right now is a 
we're seeing a global rethinking of religion, spirituality to it at to its base causes and right. which is why spirits is, are coming back so heavily as well. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, t to me, um, magic is um, just um, confirmation of mysticism. What I'm doing is I'm as I'm as I'm getting closer to God, my magic is getting better. And that's just a confirmation of my mysticism. So mysticism to me is more important than magic, but it's just a tool in me getting closer to God. Yeah. That's what magic is to me. Yeah. And Skinner's argument is if there isn't a spirit that is being compelled, then technically it wouldn't be magic. Well, you know, you're you're probably right, but I'm I'm looking at magic probably a little differently in that. I see the reason that I believe that spirits listen to us at all is because they are attracted to the spark of God that is within us. That's why, why else would they, they're attracted to us because we have that reflection of God in us. And that's the only reason they listen to us. Why else would they, you know? It often seems that what happened in modern magic to me is we said, okay, we've been studying the spirits with these grimoires and all this stuff for ages what about our spirit? Mm -hmm. We're a spirit. We're just, sure. we're, an, we're incarnated. So we're slightly different, but are we fundamentally different? I'm not actually convinced that we are. I forget who it was. Was it different. Thomas Aquinas or St. Anson? One, one of them were basically saying and that we are just one step lower than the angels until we pass and we are come machine realm and then and then we become higher than the angels at that particular point but um, to me that's neither here nor there to me what it is is the reason that they're attracted to us because we're made in the image of god and we have the spark of god within us that yeah. to me is the reason that they go like i'm going to listen to you because i'm attracted to that you know and even in the you know what is it in the in the in the muslims in the in the garden of eden where you know what is it as the zell is going like i'm not bound down to that piece of clay <laughs> It's like, well, uh, let me show you something here. Why don't you go ahead and start naming the animals, Azazel? You know, once you start naming those animals, and he's like, I don't know the names of those animals. Adam, start naming those animals, and he starts naming. We had we create, and we 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 give things meaning with words. And I'm not sure other spiritual beings do that. I think that is more of a godly thing than something that has a part of God in them that is something that is made for a specific purpose, like an angel. Um, I don't. I, I'm not one that believes that you know angels have all this personality and all this. I think that they are here for a specific purpose, like like even the word Satan, Satan. You know, there's tons of places um, in there in the Bible where Satan is more than one person. It's multiple people. A Satan is just an adversary. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, two, I think, I think even Jesus called himself the Satan of something at one particular point in time where he's going, I'm the adversary of that. You yeah. Know? Um, well, Jesus even, straight up uses grimoire goetic magic in the new Testament. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Commands by the King of demons. There's no other yeah. way to take that baby. Unless you yeah. know the literature, that's and he, what is he doing it with? Thing. He's doing it with words, you know, and that's I think magic is about words, and you're putting, you know, I'm not sure what could be created without word. 
you know, without that concept of a word and then speaking that into existence or at least manifest manifesting it through your mind, uh, through a word of some type, because you're just trying to define it in your head, you know what I mean? And then you're, um, and, and masonry does a lot of that. I mean, we deal with words a lot, the word, you know, the secret word, the, you know, um, there's just a lot of words and words make manifestation possible. Yeah. And even God, when when he's when he's creating the earth, isn't he speaking it into existence? And God said, "Let there be." You know what I mean? He's speaking things into creation. Vayomer Adonai, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And God said, "It's a it's a thing. That's a thing." Mm -hmm. the word. I was actually just reading some Thomas Aquinas earlier today. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was I was reading. Uh, I found I found uh, at a bookstore in Vancouver. I found it on a books. Mm -hmm. and looked for it where it was uh and it was down the street <laughs> i was like mm -hmm. that's a fluke so i ran down and i picked up a copy of umberto echoes the aesthetics of thomas aquinas which was his doctoral mm -hmm. thesis in the 50s yeah what a brilliant it, man and it's signed yeah of course. so yeah, that's, echo that's was one find. of my favorites and yeah, I love when him. he died i was so heartbroken that i would never you know because i was in my last year of grad school when he died i think mm -hmm. um same as derrida they both died in my last two years mm -hmm. of grad school so i was like oh i'll never get to go see these guys i, right. I would be much more interested in echo than derrida of course but you know he's still there mm -hmm. it's still like yeah. he wrote he's very amazing. interesting stuff about mysticism if you can mm -hmm. uh, get past all the other stuff he writes that you probably that most people won't understand you know right i don't know no he was a comp he was a complex man that man had a uh, a library that was to die for in fact, yeah. his his foundation was breaking because he had so many books in his house that it was that he well, I didn't that he was that. breaking his house. Yeah, it was like his house was crumbling. When I was yeah. fourteen, I got for Christmas. Someone gave me a copy of How to Travel with a Salmon and other essays, and he's got a great mm -hmm. essay in there on uh, how to read how 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 to read a library or how not to read a library. Mm -hmm. it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, right. fun little essays for those of you who want an easy access to the great Echo. Um, cool. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah. So Thomas Aquinas. I uh, just read this cover to cover very intently, and I, it's my first oh, yes. Stratton Kent book that I've ever read cover to cover. Um, mm -hmm. I've looked at a lot of his stuff, but wow, wow, that's a good example. I, I the reason I had there is to as a good example of a second edition that, mm -hmm. that was altered enough to really justify a second edition. Exactly, yeah, I hope those are fine. That. And then not only that, but how many years has it been since the other one was out? Right, you know what I mean. And, and sometimes when you're doing are... just like one right after the other, as soon as it. As soon as it comes out and it's sold out, then the second edition, limited edition comes out, and the third edition, limited edition comes out, and you know they just keep going. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I mean, to me, it's great because I get to sell more limited edition books, right? But um, it just seems odd to me. But that is a great example of it. Brand new typesetting, brand new. I mean, that's a brand new book. It's gorgeous. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, and it's a steal for the price, actually. Oh, he's an amazing, uh, he's an amazing author as well. Oh, yeah. Just such a uh, scholar too, you know, where he's going in there and he's uh, going into the different aspects of the sigils and how the students were probably, you know, when they were, when they were printing it out by hand themselves, they just didn't get them right. You know, the original, and they could tell like how the oldest version of it is probably the closest to the original and how they changed over, you know, over time when people were transcribing it by hand. One of my first uh, really interesting projects was I was going through, so I started to go through uh, the Targumim, like which are Aramaic, you know, commentaries mm -hmm. on the Bible and other uh, early uh, midrash and stuff. And I was looking for um, 
examples of Bible verses that were longer than the earliest source of that verse right. in the Bible. And I came mm -hmm. up with the one that's actually on my arm, which is my favorite verse in the Bible. They cut off words. And often they did that right. just because they were running out of pages. And it was crazy to learn that. And then we had the manuscript yeah. library at, at the seminary that I could look at the originals and stuff of right. certain manuscripts. And you could see this happen in process. It's like it changes mm -hmm. the complete meaning of the sentence. Like the, on my arm, it says, be still and know that I am God. But in Aramaic, right. it says, Pasaka min karava, stop fighting wars and know that I'm God. Right. Yeah, it just changes it, changes it drastically. Yeah. It's almost, it's the first one is almost like a scold, like your mom, shut up. You know, I'm boss here. Yeah, well, in, 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 in Greek, it's, <laughs> the word is skolasate for be still. Mm -hmm. Skolasate is in like from skola, pay attention, be attentive. Right. Latin, it has vacate. In Hebrew, it has herpas, just stop. But in Aramaic, mm -hmm. there's this whole other prefix of stop fighting wars. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah, no, but and you can find that in the some of the commentaries, there's traces mm -hmm. of oral tradition of people knowing this is what was said there, and they would comment on this being said there, even though the manuscript text that said that is no longer extant. So that's right. fascinating. Plus, there was a version of the Tetragrammaton in that same verse, and it's on my arm. It's these two little Zs there. Yeah. That two little Zs, I had to ask my professor because I was like, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss. What are what is yeah. yod, what it's what is yod yod? He's like, they used to use that sometimes for the tetragrammaton. Oh no shit! Yeah, I didn't know that. I know the things you learn yeah. for a hundred grand in yeah. school. There still, you go. There's yeah, still there a few. There's still a reason to pay that gold. Um, there you go. Value yeah. this kind of knowledge. I used to for I don't know about five years. I would read uh, the Bible from front to cover, just through you know on how they do the year study. You know where you just Read it. Would you alter editions? Every once in a while, I would. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And to me, you know, it, uh, it it's really so eye opening from coming from a, a hugely you know Christian background on how much the you know the preachers just left out. You know how much of that stuff, the the bad stuff, they just kind of went like, let's just kind of not talk about that. One of my only yeah. conservative teachers, uh, Eugene Peterson, wrote a book, a version, put out a version. Uh, translated a version called the message bible which is in common parlance for modern day and the right. coolest thing about that is when he went to the lord's prayer because he did the whole old testament whole new mm -hmm. testament when he went to the lord's prayer he when you read it instead of as above uh, in earth as as so in, as in heaven you know on earth he mm -hmm. wrote as above so below right i was like from Hermetic a print yeah and this eugene peterson who's mm -hmm. very famous uh but not in not loved in not not mm -hmm. necessarily beloved in liberal Christian circles, um, right? And uh, I just thought it was super cool. It's like wow, sometimes when you do something new, you you uh, represent the past in a in, in a truly remarkable way. Because sure. I don't think there's any other version of the Lord's Prayer out there other than that the that. language one that has as above right. so below in it. But right. he knew what he was doing. Yeah. It wasn't an accident either. Well, I mean, he's probably had some hermetic study too. I'm sure. He, he would know it, but he wouldn't like it. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Of Just like uh, us talking about the divine spark in us being made, mm -hmm. what makes magic. Like, that's heresy. It, it, you can't sure. say that if you're a Roman Catholic. That's heresy. No. There is no part yeah, of God and, in yeah. you in Catholic theology. You have right. a soul, but no spark of God, no substance. Right. That and is. see, this is, a, this is, you know, that's the way. Well, and the way that I was was brought up in the Pentecostal religion is, I mean, t to me, it it's odd now, but at the time, um, uh, you commanded angels 
angels did what you told them to do. You know what I mean? You had the spark of God and you, they didn't have a choice to say no, or they were going to get hurt. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the difference in, you know, the Pentecostal religion, you know, and how hardcore they were about you being as close to God is, you know, and this is why they would talk about, you know, murder. You can't murder somebody, not because you're the killing of somebody. It's because what you're doing is putting a mustache on Mona Lisa. That's God's greatest creation. And you just messed it up. Yeah. You know? Boy. That, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. You, you just killed the thing that's closest to God. You know, that's the way <laughs> I was brought up. Yeah. Um, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're, yeah. What time is it? 11, 11. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm trying to think if there's something else that, um... how about, uh, how about we, uh, we wrap up with, uh, my little unboxing here of my first, oh, okay. my first sip shipment of stuff forever for you, mm -hmm. but I want to do a little section for my Patreon people because they've been very patient all months while, uh, while guests have been getting rescheduled. And, uh, mm -hmm. so if that's cool, um, then that means we'll Absolutely. do a, a, a wrap up here for the public version and I will, okay. yeah, say thank you so much. For we'll being see you guys here. all at Miskatonic books. And I tell you what, you guys have, uh, without you guys, we'd be nowhere. So, I mean, my, my customers are my friends and, you know, um, they're the best. They treat me great. We try our best to do the same. Yeah. When I first, first, first saw your, your website, not that long ago, um, I asked about you, of course, cause like who's this guy, what's he up to? And, uh, and, and Rufus Opus, uh, gave me, you know, a very good review said you were very lovely and really good to deal with in business, even over a another handshake. fantastic, uh, another fantastic author. Yeah. He's fantastic. Man. Yeah. Yeah. We, he and I did, uh, one of my, uh, infamous episodes where I was, where I think it started with me blackout drunk at, oh, really? <laughs> at, at 3 a.m. Yeah. Nice. Uh, for some reason, I just he shot him a, a message. He is a character. He was awake too, going through a breakup. And next thing you know, mm -hmm. we're on screen with each other. And I just finished a previous three-hour podcast with a guy in Texas. So I was like, I was, mm -hmm. I was done. Half a ball of scotch, you know? And yeah. uh, people were like, "It's this is a weird one. I'm like, you think? You think so? Yeah, those are the so, best kind, though. They are fun. Yeah. And uh, and uh, keep, we'll keep having fun, people. So thank you for all the support. And mm -hmm. join my Patreon. You get free merch from my Patreon, like cups and shirts and shit. And uh, anyway, thanks, everyone. And we're going to do the a special section for those patrons who, who mean so much to all of us and as well as your customers. And all. We greatly appreciate it. So thank you. And uh, I'll see you on Patreon. <laughs>